Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And now for something completely different. Welcome in to the first episode of the Get Cocky Podcast. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and we've got a great first episode for you all today. We're right on the cusp of our patience all throughout the offseason being rewarded and even got a little taste of football being back last weekend. But seeing as we still have a little bit of time before the season starts for everybody except for Miami and Florida and Arizona and Hawaii, I wanted to have Andrew Mason Dixon in to discuss all of the SEC over under win totals. Uh, one quick housekeeping note, this podcast is going to be coming out on Mondays and Fridays during football season. So this first week is a little bit unusual with this first episode coming out um, on Wednesday and the next episode coming out on Thursday, but we'll be back on our regular schedule starting next week. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, share it with your friends, and we welcome all the feedback you guys want to give. This is a living, breathing entity, and we really want you all to be involved, so let us know what you think. Before we get to Drew, I just wanted to give a couple of thoughts as we head into a new football season. Now, this year is already a little bit unusual because we had the Florida game this past week and a full week before the rest of football starts, and I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Part of me enjoyed having football to watch earlier than we normally do, and the fact that it was Miami and Florida, a matchup with some history and a couple programs that either are right now or at least have been recently relevant in terms of the national landscape of college football made it more fun. You know, it was a 
I don't want to say a more refined product because it ended up being a very sloppy game, a lot of missed tackles and turnovers and things like that, but the quality of football players, the quality of football minds and so on was higher than I think it normally is. In years past, that sort of week before the football season starts game has been Stanford Rice. It was Hawaii Cal a couple years ago. But I have to say, in some ways, I think I might prefer that. Now, part of this is just that I've grown up watching the SEC. I cover the SEC now. I ostensibly have a rooting interest in the SEC, but I kind of enjoyed having what for me was a pretty meaningless game to watch as I just got settled into the season. Saturday night, though, I was immediately thrust into the emotion of football season, and I wasn't totally ready for it. I think in some ways the anticipation that builds over the course of the entire offseason that normally culminates in an explosion of excitement and joy on that first Saturday may end up being somewhat less this year since I already leaked some of that pent-up excitement out on Saturday. I guess it's like being really hungry, just craving uh, pizza all day or even all week, and then Friday rolls around and you go get a big pizza for yourself. You take one bite of the first slice and then someone comes and they take your pizza and they tell you that you can't finish it until next week. Now, maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but I think the same principle applies, and I'm going to enjoy the pizza next week when I eat it, but in some ways my cravings will have been, or in this case maybe have been, uh, diminished ever so slightly. So, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't feel this way if Florida had just gone ahead and lost the game. I'd probably be feeling a lot better about it, uh, because I definitely don't think they deserve to win. still think they're super overrated, but I guess that is neither here nor there. In any case, as we sit here on the precipice of a new season, the one thing that I want all of you to have this week is hope. The football offseason is sort of divided into a couple of segments. There's the reaction slash residual feeling from the end of last season, and then the phase where you're looking forward to the new season, which happens in a more and more concrete way, obviously, the closer you get to the season. This particular week that we're in right now is obviously the most dramatic crescendo in terms of the emotion, sort of like I was talking about a second ago. And in some ways, it's the best time of year. Now, if Carolina goes and they upset Alabama in week three, and then they go on to start 6-0 and or something like that, then that'll probably be the actual best time of year up until Carolina loses, or maybe they don't lose. But point of this is that nothing's guaranteed, which is why I think it's so important to be optimistic right now. You can be someone that looks at the schedule and says, yeah, you know, Carolina will probably be 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, and I mean, that's not crazy. It's not really hard to come to that conclusion, but that's not what this week is for. Discuss that after Carolina loses their first game, or maybe after they lay an egg and only eke out a three-point win against North Carolina or struggle early against Charleston Southern, but right now is the best time of year to be a fan. I mean, the best time of year to be a fan is right before something bad happens, and right now, this week, is the only time fans are guaranteed that. After week one, half of college football fans will have their hopes and dreams of an undefeated season in national championship just completely shattered. Half. Regardless of whether or not you think Carolina will be in that unhappy half of college football fans, now is the only time of year that fans are guaranteed that ability to hope and be happy and just enjoy the anticipation of football season. So please do that. Worry about Alabama during Alabama week. Worry about Georgia during Georgia week. And if you're someone that can't help but be pessimistic about Carolina in the season, then it's, I think it's even more important right now for you to just enjoy what you can while it lasts. All we can be sure of is that we have this week where all of Carolina's hopes and dreams are still in front of them. And that applies for every college football team. If you're not a Carolina fan and you're listening to this, that applies to your team. Auburn, Florida, if you're a UCF fan, if you're a Wisconsin fan, Oregon fan, whatever. So just have fun while it lasts. Make plans to watch football, you know, whether it's your team or just the rest of the college football games this weekend with people that you like. Eat good food, drink good drink. Just enjoy the pure, unadulterated beginning of college football because, frankly, 
there's nothing else like it. Without further ado, we go now to Andrew Mason Dixon to discuss the over-under win totals. After all this optimism, we need to come crashing back down to earth and tell you which teams in the SEC are going to dramatically underachieve what Vegas is projecting them to do this year. So without further ado, here comes Mason Dixon. All right, Andrew Mason Dixon's in the house. Got some preseason fun for you guys. It's week one of college football, but we don't really have any games to talk about. I guess we have Florida and Miami, which we will address in a couple minutes. But right before all the real craziness gets started, we wanted to run through some preseason over-under win totals for the SEC. We're going to do this in two parts. Right now, we're going to do the SEC East a little bit later in the week. We are going to do the West. Uh, We're going to go alphabetically. Drew, I didn't run that by you. Is that cool with you? I know the alphabet. Okay, all right, good. I figured you did. I just wanted to double check. And, you know, that's the great part of the season. Everybody, because we're pretending like Florida didn't just play yesterday. We're recording this on a Sunday. We're pretending like Florida didn't play, and so everybody is undefeated. So, therefore, the only way to arrange them in terms of the divisional rankings is alphabetically. So that's how uh, we're going to go through this. Um, Drew, you asked me something earlier, and or you mentioned something to me earlier, and I don't know how I feel about this philosophically. So let's talk about it now. You said, what if I have everybody going under their win total? And as I found myself going through the list and just writing down, you know, a couple notes and then sort of my initial reaction of whether I thought the team was going to be over or under their projected wins, towards the end, I found myself trying to balance it out. And that ended up being a couple, like a couple of tiebreakers for me. We're like, oh, well, I've already got six over and four under. So this one, if I'm not really sure, I'm kind of leaning under. Is that the right way to think about it? Or am I doing, am I thinking too much? Yeah, I think you're overthinking just a tad, but you know, you 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 know, you're not betting on every single over under. You gotta just see which ones that you like and are most comfortable with, and which ones that you have a sense as Vegas is go doing something crazy. Yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, if you're, if you're betting all fourteen, uh, you may have a problem, but uh, if you want to bet a couple, hopefully this is a guide that helps you. So we'll jump right in, and like I said, we're getting started. We're gonna do this thing alphabetically, so we're gonna get kicked off with Georgia over under. Wins for Georgia this year, 11. The over, plus 130. Under, minus 180. Drew, what's your take on Georgia this year? Yeah, expectations are high for Kirby Smart after reaching the playoffs last season. Look, 11 wins is a lot. That's basically saying for this Georgia squad to go 11-1 and one in the regular season and then win either the – uh, in the uh, their bowl game, or maybe we even win the SEC championship game. Uh, look, I, it's a tough one. Uh, I I even saw that to win the SEC, Georgia's at plus two seventy five, which is a nice look. I think actually, if you want to hedge that, because I I like UGA coming out of the East. And I think with, they have the talent to hold their own against anybody, whether it's uh, Jake Fromm or even sleeper Heisman contender DeAndre Swift. I'm probably going to personally stay away from this one, but if uh, I, I kind of like Georgia to uh, be right at 11, honestly. So you're going to bet the push. I, I, guess yeah. that's, I guess that's not really an option, but that's okay. You're going with straight at 11. I went with the over. I like the value. You can get a plus 130. It's not huge value, but betting the under at minus 180. And you look at their schedule, that's that's sort of the the first thing that I'm looking at when I'm going through the over-unders for each of these teams. What are the games that Georgia could reasonably be expected to lose this year? At Auburn is the one that immediately jumps off the page, and you say, that's tough. Uh, Texas A&M towards the end of the season could be sort of tough. Florida at a neutral side, that's always a weird game. 
uh, as we're going to talk about next. I'm really down on Florida this year, but that's always a, a tricky game. But everything else, Vanderbilt, Murray State, you know, Arkansas State, Notre Dame, you know, I, I just I will never believe in Notre Dame, and Georgia's got that one at home. They are at Tennessee, but we're going to talk about Tennessee a little bit later. I'm pretty down on Tennessee as well. Uh, they have Carolina and Kentucky at home, Missouri at home, and then uh, at Georgia Tech at the end of the season. To finish that off, you know, first year of Georgia Tech not running the triple option, I expect them to be something of a mess. So I'm kind of with you in that I expect this to be a push. I expect Georgia to go 11-1, and one, but getting the plus 130 um, and, and given – they got Missouri before Auburn and Texas A&M afterwards, so maybe a little bit of a trap game. But I, I feel okay about it. And again, just getting the plus one thirty is is making me lean Georgia uh, and the over. I mean, Fromm I think took real strides towards the end of last season. You mentioned Swift as a dark horse Heisman candidate. The defense is going to be improved. They had some youth in a couple places last year. I think they're going to be a lot better. I'm, I'm not only I'm excited about Georgia because you know I'm here covering Carolina and grew up loving Carolina, so it's never good when Georgia's good. But I kind of like the over for Georgia. When you say lean in Georgia, you're definitely not talking about that offensive line that they got right now. It's a huge offensive line that ma- definitely makes me think that the Bulldogs are going to be a perennial SEC favorite this year. Yeah, it was so funny. We were talking about it on, on my local show. Uh, comparing Georgia's offensive line to Carolina's just in terms of weight and size. I think we were talking about Hank Manos being a little bit undersized because he's like right at 295, 300. And I was like, I wonder who the lightest projected starting offensive lineman for Georgia is. And it was like, I think their left guard's like 325 and the rest of the guys are like 340, 350. It's, it's ridiculous. This is not even fair. So you're going for the push. I'm going Georgia over at plus 130. Next up, we got Florida. As I mentioned, we're recording this on a Sunday. So we did just see Florida beat Miami last night. I thought it was a relatively unimpressive win. You can't bet the Florida um, future, at least this line that we're going to give you uh, anymore. You can probably get updated uh, odds as the season goes along. But like I said, if we're pretending this is the beginning of the season, Florida's over-under was nine wins, over plus 120, under minus 140. What you like, Drew? Yeah, look, Florida, you, you know, you always like talking about turnover margin being a, a stat where it, it kind of likes to balance itself out. And South Carolina was a victim last year of a poor turnover margin. Florida last year, plus 12 turnover margin, tied for seventh in the NCAA last year. You got to think that they're not going to be as fortunate on the turnover margin. Uh, we saw them have some problems last night against Miami. However, this is a Florida team that does return eight starters on defense, and they took advantage of that small left tackle from Miami last night. I think I saw something like nine sacks maybe for for Florida last night. So I really like the defense at Florida. I think they're going to have a good squad. This is another one that I'm kind of staying away from. I like the nine wins. It's a great number. I I, I think – Nine is exactly what Florida gets. I think they maybe go nine and four with a bowl game. All right. When you look at their out of schedule game or out of conference schedule, uh, they got Miami. As we mentioned, they went ahead and won that one. They have UTM. They have Towson. And then they have, uh, you know, a bad Florida State team, obviously, right at the very end of the season. So you count those as wins. And then you look at their SEC schedule. They get Tennessee at home. That's probably a win. They're playing at Kentucky. You know, we'll talk about Kentucky in just a minute, but they, you know, obviously have to play Auburn. That one's at home. They do have to go at LSU. They have to go on the road to Columbia, obviously playing Georgia. They have to travel to Missouri at the end of the season. I'm, I'm just really down on this Florida team. They're replacing some offensive linemen. People are really high on Felipe Franks because he finished the season well, but Florida wasn't really playing anybody with the exception of Michigan. They were playing a depleted South Carolina team. They played Idaho. 
Um, I can't remember who else it was there at the end of the season, but I'm just really not impressed with Franks. They're having to replace Jordan Scarlett's production. I get that they have some perimeter playmakers, but I, I think they're going to need to be a lot better offensively than they were last year. People are saying, oh, you know, Dan Mullen's just going to make it happen. I just don't think that Felipe Franks is the guy. Um, and this isn't a hot take here. I'm clearly going with the money. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Florida under nine wins minus 140. Again, not the value pick, but I think that's where the smart money is right now. Next up, since we're going in alphabetical order, we got Kentucky. Just mentioned them. They're over under for the season set at six and a half. The over is minus 120. The under is minus 120. Drew, how you feel about the Wildcats? Look, it, no more Josh Allen, no more Benny Snell. I, I know the Gamecock fans are happy to hear that. Uh, look, this is a Kentucky team. They lost 14 starters from last year. Uh, they do return their quarterback. They do return Terry Wilson, but... Terry just he just doesn't scare me as much as, as some of the uh, the other quarterbacks in the SEC. Just very non-threatening. I don't think they'll be as good as that ten-win team from last year. I like under six and a half for Kentucky. I like under six and a half too. And again, you look at their schedule; they've got a really easy out of conference. They got Toledo. Uh, they got Eastern Michigan. They have uh, UTM, and obviously they got Louisville right there at the very end of the season. And then in terms of uh, their SEC slate, it's sort of favorable that they have their their tougher games that are going to be on the road. You know, going to South Carolina, going to Georgia, but the other sort of marginal games that you think will be winnable for them, like a you know, like maybe a Missouri, certainly a Tennessee, they get those at home, which make me a little bit wary. But I'm I'm leaning with you as well. You can't replace that sort of playmaking either on offense or on defense. You're bringing back a starting quarterback, which is usually a good thing. But if you're bringing back Terry Wilson as your starting quarterback, I'm not so sure that's a good thing. I don't know if Kentucky's going to be able to score more than, you know, 22 points a game and more than 20 points a game in conference this year. Um, and then you, you mentioned all the starters that they lost on defense. When you lose a top 10 draft pick like Josh Allen, one of the best pass rushers in the country, arguably the best, it's impossible to replace that. You know, Mark Stoops has done a good job of recruiting there. And I think building Kentucky to a team where, they can reasonably expect it to live in that 6-7 win range as we've seen them beat Carolina five years in a row. They've been certainly on the uptick, but I think this is a year where they really fall back down to earth. And next year will be the real opportunity to, to assess Stoops, you know, after he's had a year to sort of replenish that talent, develop some more of those younger players um, to see how real this Kentucky thing has been. But I think regardless, you know, even if you give Stoops all the credit in the world for, for making Kentucky perennially above average the last couple of years – I still think this is going to be the year where they where they dip under that six, or at least two six. So give me the under six and a half. Uh, that's minus 120. Uh, next up in the east, we got Missouri. When we were comparing lines for this thing, just to make sure we had all the right numbers and we were picking the same thing, I was looking at the lines as they were posted in June. You got some more recent ones, and Missouri's win total has just kept creeping up, creeping up. I saw it at six and a half. It jumped up to seven and a half, and now it has crawled all the way to eight. The over still at eight is minus 130 and the under is minus 110 drew who you like well or what you know, do you like that 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 win total keeps creeping up and up because the 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 the, the betting public is looking at Missouri's schedule and thinking who are they playing they got it off easy their west opponents this year Ole Miss and Arkansas both with projected win totals of only five uh they get Florida at home they get West Virginia at home. But obviously the big storyline for Missouri coming in is going to be the new quarterback behind center, former Tiger, now current Tiger, <laughs> Kelly Bryant. 
Once a tiger, always a tiger, I guess is what they say, right? All of this is, I guess, to say, though, I like the under for Missouri this year. I don't, I just don't believe in Kelly Bryant. Is that, is that, is no, that too hot to take? I don't either. I don't either. And especially you look at how Missouri's offense has functioned the past couple of years while well, they've had Drew Locke, someone that I'm not crazy about, someone that everybody thought was, you know, the future, uh, the future greatest quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, now that he's gotten there, just as a quick aside, it sounds like he hasn't come along as quickly as the Broncos were hoping that he was going to. But they ran their offense in a very, very, very different way than they're going to be able to run their offense with Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant at Clemson, he wasn't, you know, quite as one-dimensional as maybe a Jalen Hurts. I think maybe cut from a similar cloth. Um, but I think Missouri's going to have to really dramatically change what they do. And, yes, when you bring in a dual-threat quarterback, you obviously add the second threat, the threat that Drew Locke didn't really have. And, yes, you can tweak your offense and make it fit a little bit more. But what Missouri did the last couple of years, again, regardless of how I felt or anybody else felt about Locke, it worked at times. They were able to, to get teams on the rope. They were able to overachieve because they were able to, you know, bust some of those big plays. They were able to stretch defenses vertically and create more running room for, you know, some some good running backs that I also think overachieved, um, you know, commensurate with their talent level. But I don't think Kelly Bryant offers them that type of versatility. I don't think the offense is going to be nearly as good as it has been the last couple of years. And, again, I hear the schedule out of conference. They do have to go to Wyoming. I, that's a long way to go. I, I wonder if, if just like the travel maybe gets in Missouri's head. That's their season opener. They got West Virginia. They got who, who the heck even is this? South oh southeastern Missouri, SEMO. I'm like it takes me a minute to even register who these freaking teams are. And then Troy. Um, and then as you mentioned in the, in the SEC, getting to play uh, Mississippi, having to play at Arkansas, but they get Tennessee um, at home. They are playing at Vanderbilt, at Kentucky, at Georgia. They got South Carolina at home. I just. I don't know. I, I'm with you. I, I think I got to go the under. The schedule is so easy, but I, I don't think this is going to be a good season for them. Uh, minus 110s and more value, I guess, than the over at minus 130. I just can't believe this crept all the way up to to eight. If it were if it had been at seven, this would have been a tougher decision. But at eight, it was it was fairly easy for me. Uh, next up, we got the Gamecocks. Hey, we know about them. Their over under is at six. And get this, over the over six wins for South Carolina, plus 110. Under minus one. 55. Let's do it, Drew. Well, look, it, it, obviously Gamecock fans have been hearing all offseason about the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. That's the thing preventing them from taking advantage of what, I, in my opinion, is one of the top three returning defensive lines in the conference, plus the addition of Zach Pickens. You're only just making a, a, a what was a great unit even better. All of this to say, I think six wins is exactly what the Gamecocks get. You're going for exactly six? I think. I think we. All right, get so they're losing exactly to Alabama, six. they're losing to Clemson, they're losing to Georgia, they're losing to Texas A&M. What other two games are they losing? Because again, that, that's sort of that's that's how I'm thinking about this. You look at the schedule; they get Florida at home. They have to go at Tennessee. I again, we're going to talk about Tennessee here in just a second. I'm I'm not super high about Tennessee. Got Vanderbilt at home. The App State looms as like a really horrible, terrifying trap game. Um, so maybe you say that, maybe you say Missouri, but I mean, look, it's not outrageous because clearly the money indicates that people don't think South Carolina is going to win more than six games. I think worst case scenario would be a push. I, I'm going the over, and this feels uh, this feels like a pretty easy over for me, especially getting uh, you know the, the plus one ten. Because again, in addition to Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Texas A&M, Carolina, we're, we're we're looking at Carolina losing probably at Missouri, and then either against like a Florida or an app state. And I just, I don't see this. I think there's going to be a lot of improvement on this team. The coaching staff seems more optimistic about the offensive line. 
despite the fact that they've lost some talent. Um, I know a lot of people are really skeptical about how Carolina is going to deal with the loss of Debo Samuel. I think their wide receiver core has a lot of depth, a lot of talent. Adding Tavian Feaster, there's no way that hurts your running back room. That makes you a little bit better. And then as long as Carolina doesn't lose, you know, 20 defensive players over the course of the season, um, and you know, in which case all this stuff is out the window anyways, it just it doesn't doesn't make any sense to me that they're going to win fewer than six games. So I guess I, I can't totally disagree with you on the push. I'm going to go. I'm going to go optimistic, though. I'm going to go with the over. Uh, and getting plus 110 on that. Uh, next up, we got Tennessee. Six and a half wins over is minus 145. Under is plus 105. A lot of love this offseason for Tennessee. A lot of love for Tennessee last year, and and it was just a complete dumpster fire, I feel like. Uh, the news, Tennessee, this year, or this, this preseason, you know, they lost the DN Gooden. My real question and concern with Tennessee is is Jarrett Garantano. I I still am not convinced that Garantano is the guy that Tennessee needs to have to take them to the next level. Yeah, I, I he I kind of put him in the Frank's category of people seem to be optimistic about him because he's shown flashes because he's shown the kind of upside that gets people really excited, but it's about it's about doing it with consistency. You know, frankly, it's the same thing Gamecock fans around here have been dealing with with Jake Bentley. You see the upside. I've, I've heard NFL scouts say that, you know, he's one of the most frustrating prospects they've watched in years because when he's firing on all cylinders, like the Clemson game towards the end of last season, I mean, he really does look like an NFL prospect. He's got the body for it. You know, he can stand in the pocket. He can make all the throws that you want him to make. But he's not able to do it on a game-in, game-out basis. That's my problem with Franks. That's my problem with Garantano. And 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 like you mentioned, for Tennessee, they're going to be relying on Garantano a lot this year. They're going to need him to, to do a lot to be that kind of playmaker, to, to make the plays with his legs, and to be able to make all the passes. And I don't really see that. So it sounds like you are also leaning the under. Um, again, we're getting a little value there at plus 105. I'm taking the under for Tennessee. Under, I think, I think this is more of a six-win Tennessee team. Yeah, that feels about right to me, too. I'm also going to go under. By the way, their schedule, uh, they got Georgia State, they got BYU, they got Chattanooga, all three of those um, early in the season to open up. And they got UAB first week of November, uh, obviously playing Alabama out of the West. The other team they're playing is Mississippi State. They have to play on the road against Florida. They do have Georgia at home, South Carolina at home, and then on the road, Kentucky, on the road, Missouri, and at home against Vanderbilt. So, yeah, that just that doesn't really stack up. Not super favorable there for Tennessee. Give me the under. Uh, last one we got here in the SEC East, Vanderbilt, over-under, five wins, over, plus 105, under, minus 145. I don't have much on Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's that's a that's a common that's a common theme around here. Never never a whole lot to say about Vanderbilt until they randomly um, beat somebody. But with not much to say, do you like the over? Do you like the under? You think it's a push? Vanderbilt hit the over last year with their six win total. Always seemingly feisty squad. Truly don't know much about them though. I I, I I'm staying away from it. Vegas definitely likes the under or, or for Vandy. At least that's what the public has been betting. I guess I'll go under for the sake of this argument, but I don't have much intel. Yeah, I, I don't have much of a feel for this either way. Five feels about right. I would go for a push, but in keeping with going either over or under every time and not allowing myself to to pick the middle ground, I'm going to take the over. You get a little bit of value. Again, the plus 105 is the over for Vanderbilt. I know you are uh, you're replacing what a, it was a pretty decent quarterback, you know, a good quarterback, you know, certainly – uh, by Vanderbilt standards and Kyle Shermer. Uh, you are bringing back Keyshawn Vaughn, who's one of the better 
running backs in the SEC. Now, again, Vanderbilt's probably going to end up being one-dimensional. You are bringing in a, a transfer quarterback from Ball State and, uh, and Riley Neal, who – I don't know. I don't know if you're someone that believes in Riley Neal. He had a you know fine career at Ball State. I don't know what kind of upgrade or downgrade that's going to be relative to Shermer. But Vanderbilt seems like again just with a rushing attack, you know the defense that's been steadily improving. It was 31 points a game allowed two years ago. Um, last year it was down into the 20s. I think it was 25 or 26. Um, so it's there has been some improvement there. And then again, you look at their schedule. They're opening with Georgia, which is going to be fun. Uh, they have at Purdue, which I don't know how you feel about that. I would not put that in the win category for Vanderbilt, but you got LSU. Then you have Northern Illinois. You're playing at Ole Miss, UNLV. Uh, you get Missouri at home. You get Kentucky at home. You have Eastern Tennessee and then at Tennessee to finish the season. It feels like Vanderbilt could squeeze six out of there by virtue of sneaking up on some people. But, um, again, I don't really have a, a, a very strong feel for this one either way. That'll do it for the SEC East. Hope this guy. Uh, hope this helped you guys. you got a couple more days to lock these in. Um, before the season officially gets underway. I guess the exception, of course, being Florida, in which case you cannot lock them in because they went ahead and beat Miami last night. And even still, even knowing that Florida won that first game last night, I would still take the under because what I saw last night was about 16,000 missed tackles, more inconsistency from Felipe Franks. He threw an absolute seed for a touchdown in either late third quarter, early fourth quarter that represented everything that he does well and then threw some absolutely mind-boggling picks that were a combination of bad decision-making and bad passes. I just I just don't think Florida's that good. I'm still going the under. But we'll be back later in the week with the over-under win totals for the SEC West. Normally, the second episode of this podcast is going to come out on Friday. We're going to release this one on Thursday to give you guys a couple more times to process everything and, like I said, lock in those last-minute bets if you want to get any futures in before the season starts on Saturday. Yeah, go lock in Jake Bentley 90-1 to to win the Heisman. That's... That's some value right there. That's 90 to 1. $10 is all it takes to win 900 unless your book has a, a higher minimum for a bet like that. But anyways, we'll be back later in the week. Drew, great stuff as always. You'll be hearing a lot more of Andrew Mason Dixon on this podcast and also on my local show, The Extra Point, on 107.5 The Game. Tune in around 1230 on Fridays throughout football season, and we'll be uh, rocking and rolling with that. So, Drew, great stuff. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again so much for tuning in to the first episode of the Get Cocky Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. And if you did, be sure to leave us a rating, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. That's the best way to support this thing and keep it going. Um, and like I said earlier in the show, feedback is really important to us. So let us know what you think. If you like a particular segment over the course of the next couple months, let us know that you like it. Or if you don't like something, let us know because you're probably not the only one. And this is, like I said, a living, breathing entity. It is a podcast for the people, by the people, and we aim to please we'll be back again tomorrow with the western division over under win totals and a couple more things specific to the carolina north carolina game and we're just a couple of days away from kickoff so as i said right off the top hope you guys very much enjoy enjoy this week have hope have fun and thanks for listening madness is here say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three 
and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.